Yes, Christmas can get crazy. Sometimes it sort of feels like the whole point gets lost, doesn't it? And I want you to remember for a moment why we give gifts. We give gifts because we're celebrating the fact that God gave us the best gift ever. In this season of gift giving and gift getting and re-gifting, we can get so busy that we miss the entire point. And some of us are just working hard, so hard, that we don't end up on Twitter under the uh, worst gift ever Jimmy Fallon's doing. Have you seen some of these? Here's a couple of my favorites. Uh, One year, I got the book, He's Just Not That Into You, from five different people. (laughs) Message received. Or this one, my mother wanted to give me the extra plot in the family grave one year. Said they were expensive and I should be glad. <laughs> or how about this one? My parents gave me a pencil sharpener in the shape of a dog. To sharpen it, you had to put the pencil in the dog's <laughs> rear and it barked. That's just wrong in so many levels. Although I think I just heard one kid say, Dad, I want that. Or how about this one? One year for Christmas, I gave my husband an electric guitar and he gave me windshield wiper blade refills. (laughs) Now I was very fortunate as a child. My parents tried to give me a great Christmas, but then there was a couple of uh, miscues. I grew up in Dallas, Fort Worth, and so every once in a while, the weather would get bad. And not too often, but it was in October and I was about 14 years old, and my parents went ahead and gave me one of my Christmas gifts early. It was a coat. It was a fake members-only coat. Yes, if you don't know what I'm talking about, then you probably aren't a member. <laughs> or, <laughs> or you're too young to know. But it had this little snap that went across for some unknown reason, and a little thing that said members-only. Mine just didn't have anything right there. And it was a coat, but I felt so cool wearing it that I wore it even was 80 degrees out I wore it all through the fall October November December and I was always very strategic on Christmas morning and so I would always save the biggest box until the last present to open and on this particular year I opened that big giant box and pulled out the same coat I'd been wearing for three months (laughs) but my parents did something even worse to my brother He had asked for sweatshirt and sweatpants. I think he wanted to look like Run DMC. And he got it. But apparently he didn't appreciate it enough or wear it enough because the next year he got the same exact sweatpants and sweatshirt. Yes, for us, this is a Christmas tradition. I tell these stories every year to my children to remind them how fortunate they are to have not grown up with my parents in the 80s. But I want us to not miss the whole point of all the frenzy of gift giving. See, there's something really wonderful about that Christmas morning anticipation and excitement. Now, I wonder, in this room, are there any kids here? Okay, we're not in school. You don't have to raise your hand. Let me just hear you shout out Christmas. All right. So, kids, are you excited about tomorrow? All right. Mom and Dad, are you? Oh, I'm surprised. Wow. That's impressive. Sometimes, see, us parents, those of us who have kids, we have to be reminded, right? But I want you to think back. Whether you have kids or no kids or big plans or no plans, think back to when you were young. Do you remember how hard it was to go to sleep on Christmas Eve? 
You remember how you'd wake up before the sun got up <laughs> to try to get your parents to wake up? That sense of anticipation and excitement. Parents having to hold us back. Now, there's something really fun about that. But you know what's even more enjoyable than opening presents is giving that perfect gift. For some of you kids, you're hoping your day tomorrow will be something like this. What you couldn't see on screen were the dogs howling because of the high-pitched screams of the children. I've ne I'll never forget when my kids were little, this, those moments when they just opened up the perfect gift. Now they're in high school and I have to wake them up to celebrate <laughs> Christmas. It's not quite the same. But it, it brings great joy to give the right kind of gift. And I wonder how God must have felt anticipating the gift he would give his children on that first Christmas. It was more than the perfect gift. Paul describes it this way. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Now, if you're unfamiliar with who Paul is, Paul was an incredibly religious and learned man. He was a scholar. In fact, he would have the equivalent of a PhD in our day, a master of three languages, writing most of the letters that are now part of our New Testament. Yet, as he's trying to describe the gift that God gives us, he, he is speechless. He's completely and utterly at a loss for words. He just simply says it's, it's indescribable, the gift that God has given us. Now, I acknowledge, I love that our community is a place for you to come no matter where you might be on the, your spiritual journey. And if you're here and you're skeptical, I totally get it. Many of us in this room were at one point skeptical. And if you know some of the details of the story, it, it may be hard to believe a star that led Persian astrologers to the town of Bethlehem, a virgin giving birth to a little boy in a manger, or angels communicating to shepherds. But I, I want you to have an open heart and open mind today, even if you're skeptical. Others of you, it's not skeptical, being skeptical of the story, it's really just being more skeptical of God and even church, that you might have even had a fear that coming into this building, the, the ceiling might cave in. This is not a normal place for you to be. And, and I would just acknowledge that there are some of us who have struggled with issues of faith because people who said they had faith did not treat us well, did not represent God well. And I want to acknowledge that. But also say, how beautiful would it be if, if you had an open heart and open mind to consider this story with fresh ears, with a fresh heart. See, in this moment, Paul is trying to describe something that's indescribable. And I think even for those of us who celebrate Christmas, who have faith in Jesus, don't fully grasp how amazing this gift is. So Paul actually coined a new term. The, the word indescribable was not a word in the Greek language in the way he used it. And we do this all the time, in English even. If you're a Napoleon Dynamite fan, what is the name of the animal that he invented? The liger, of course. 
the lion tiger. I'm disappointed more of you did not know that. <laughs> 9.30, they all knew it. But also, uh, a few others, maybe you've heard of these. Uh, this one no longer exists. Brangelina, Brad and Angelina. Or, or this one, Dudevorce. Have you ever heard of a Dudevorce? That's when two guys are no longer friends. Or a chair drobe, that's the chair that bachelors throw their clothes on. No one really has liked that one. How about this one? Nonversation. That's a worthless conversation. So in this moment, Paul takes two words, two Greek words. The Greek word meaning impossible. And the Greek word meaning fully declare. And he mashes them together into a new word. This gift from God is impossible to fully declare. It's impossible to, to even talk of it in a way that we could fully understand. And there's a few things that we need to realize about this gift. See, just like a loving parent prepares and anticipates giving the perfect gift, God was anticipating with excitement giving the perfect gift that first Christmas. Just as we wrap a gift to both forecast its coming and conceal it until its time, God wrapped the gift of the Messiah in prophecy. See, for thousands of years, God forecasted the best gift ever. See, God created you for a relationship with himself. God is what's missing in our lives. The creator of the universe, the creator of all love and life and everything else created you with the freedom to choose whether you would say yes or no to a relationship with him. And God anticipated that day that he would reveal himself in human form. See, it was foretold but also concealed, wrapped up in a mystery. And one of the most remarkable proofs of this is looking at the Hebrew scriptures where there are 60 different prophecies telling us who, where, why, how, and when. This mystery, looking forward, was hard to see, but looking backwards, it becomes incredibly clear. See, God did this so that we can know confidently that this is God's gift, the best gift he could give to you and me. God used many prophets to foretell the Messiah's coming, or that word Messiah in Greek is Christ. He told us how we could know he is the one true God. Listen to these words about 680 B.C. in the prophet Isaiah, describing how we can know he is the one true God. He says this, I am the first and I am the last. Apart from me, there is no God. Who then is like me? Let him proclaim it. Let him declare and lay out what is yet to come. Yes, let them foretell what will come. Did I not proclaim this and foretell it long ago? We can know that he is the one true God because what he prophesied, what was in the scriptures hundreds of years before has come to pass. Or in this passage in Isaiah 45, who has announced this from antiquity? Who has told it from then? Is it not I, Yahweh? And there is no other God beside me, a righteous God and a savior. There is none beside me. Turn to me and be saved. All the ends of the earth. Written nearly 700 years before Jesus was born. And this message is for every nation, every tribe, every peoples across the planet. The one true God coming to rescue us all. Now, some of you may be skeptical saying, well, it's of course easy for people to go backwards and, and rewrite this to make it seem like Jesus fulfilled all these prophecies. But actually in the year 1948, a couple of kids were in the Dead Sea region 
and they were throwing rocks into caves and they heard a crash. Eventually, confessing to somebody they must have broken something, they went up and discovered these clay pots and in those clay pots were ancient texts. Now, we have scientific advancements to where we can actually date items like these texts and science has told us through radiocarbon dating that these texts were at least 300 years before Jesus. These texts writing about the Messiah who was to come. What's really fascinating is due to breakthroughs in science and archaeology, we have more proof today than our grandparents or great-grandparents did that what we have in the scriptures is authentic and reliable. So we're going to look at all 60 prophecies. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we're going to look at five, but I want to encourage you, if you are open to seeking and searching, to, to dive in deeper, I'll give you some resources to help with that. Well, let's just give me a few. One of the prophecies talked of God coming, born of a virgin. God himself, it says to us in the scriptures, Isaiah 7, God himself will give to you a sign. The virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son, and he shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. In the scriptures, we're made aware that this was not Joseph's son because he was ready to quietly divorce Mary, the one that was betrothed to him. Now, kids, I want to give you a chance. See how much of the story you know. In which town was Jesus born? Should say it out loud. Where? where? Bethlehem, that's right. Listen to this, 700 years before Micah writes, the prophet Micah says, but as for you, Bethlehem, from you one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. See, they ended up in Bethlehem, Mary and Joseph, because of a census required by the government. And they ended up in the town where the Messiah was to be born. All right, kids, this is a little harder. All right, Jesus grows up, he does some of the most miraculous things in a region of the world, right around a large body of water. He walked on this body of water. Anyone know? What was that called? Not the Red Sea. Not Lake Travis. <laughs> the Sea of Galilee. That was a deep voice for a child. That's, that's good. Now, listen to this, 700 years before Jesus in Galilee of the Gentiles, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light because a child shall be born to us and a son is given to us and the government shall be upon his shoulders and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and his peace, there shall be no end to establish it in judgment and in righteousness from and until eternity. God came in a form that we can relate to. All right, this is a hard one, kids. In which town did Jesus grow up? I'll give you a clue. Starts with an N, ends with an Nazareth. <laughs> Nazareth, very good. He grew up in Nazareth. Now, what's interesting about that is some of the religious leaders decided he can't be the Messiah because nothing good comes from Nazareth. But not knowing the full story that actually he was born in Bethlehem and he had fled as a child, a toddler, his family took him to Egypt to protect him from King Herod's edict of killing all the Jewish babies under the age of two. And he came out of Egypt, grew up in Nazareth, and 
began to reveal himself in Galilee. Now, you can say, well, of course, the scriptures will tell us this story, but, but do we even have proof that Jesus was a historical person? And actually, we do. Historians and Jewish scholars have written about him. In the Talmud, it says this, on the eve of Passover, they hung Jesus of Nazareth for sorcery and leading Israel astray. They killed Jesus for blasphemy, for claiming equality with God. And they couldn't deny his miracles, so they attributed it to sorcery. Which even Josephus, a Roman historian in Jesus' time, mentions his surprising works, his crucifixion, and that his disciples said that he had risen from the dead. But God foretold all of this through the prophet Isaiah 700 years before that the Messiah would not just be born in Bethlehem, not just do miraculous things in Galilee, but ultimately he would willingly take on evil itself and willingly suffer for our sake, dying and yet ultimately living again. Listen to this beautiful passage written 700 years before Jesus, written by Isaiah. Who has believed our report and the arm of God? I love that image, this arm of God, the Messiah, to whom it has been revealed. Surely our griefs he is bearing and our sorrows he carried them. He is wounded, pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. The correction for our peace was upon him and by his wounds he has healed us. All of us like sheep have wandered away from God, each man to his own way. He was cut off from the land of the living. He died Although he worked no violence, nor was deceit in his mouth, if you will appoint his soul a sin offering, he will see his seed, his children, and he will lengthen his days. After the toil of his soul, he shall see light, and he shall be satisfied. The sins of many he bore. He would die for our sins, but he would see light, and he would live. God came to rescue all of us, each and every one of us, everyone who is willing. Jesus did not come to start a new religion. In fact, the world's religions all have similar types of moral laws. And it creates this system where we have to live a certain way or be punished by God, where we have to make attempts to get to God. But actually, Jesus came to us so that we might have a relationship with God. There's never enough that we could do to get to a perfect God, so the perfect God came us that we might have a relationship with the creator of the universe a God who loves us to help us understand what this gift is like this indescribable gift some of our poets have this to say
the best gift ever is that God gave himself to us. Now many of us may be able to win a Christmas trivia contest. We know the story of Jesus, but do we know Jesus? See, when we receive the gift of a relationship with God through Jesus, what we experience is so indescribable. When we say yes to following him, to being forgiven by him, life becomes abundant. And too often we take for granted God's gift to us. See, the gift of God didn't end 2,000 years ago with Jesus, and we don't have to wait till the other side of eternity to enjoy this multifaceted, indescribable gift of a relationship with God. It's something we can experience fully now and each day and day after. When we say yes to this best gift ever, we experience freedom. Jesus said, you are truly my followers if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. We no longer have to be a hostage to the lies in our minds. We have freedom from worry. That is why Jesus says, I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. How many of us could use the gift of less worry? When we say yes to the best gift ever, we experience burden-free living. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and the burden I give you is light. He gives us freedom from addictions. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, everyone who keeps on sinning is a slave of sin. If the Son sets you free, you are truly free. He gives us abundant life. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. He gives us love beyond our ability. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you and that way you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. See, when we say yes to the best gift ever, we not only experience the love of God, but the love of God allows us to love others. We are able to experience the best gift ever. This gift, God freely gives to each of us. And maybe you're here and, and you're, you're open to the idea of having an open mind, an open heart. And I want to encourage you to let us know that. We would love to help you on this journey. You can tell us on the Connect card that, that you know what, I do want to know more. Or, or you can even start investigating. Go to gatewaychurch.com slash exploringfaith where there are messages and articles to guide you in your journey. Or sign up for Alpha in the new year. We have a class that's designed to understand the basics of what it means to have a relationship with God through Jesus. Or maybe you're here and there's nothing holding you back from receiving this gift. Today, you're ready to give your life to him because of all that he's done for you, dying on the cross, offering forgiveness and new life. Or maybe you're here and you've received this gift, but you've left it unopened. Or, or maybe you've opened it, but, but like Adidas sweatpants, you never used it. You see, the relationship with God is just like a relationship with anyone else. We drift automatically. That's the default. 
It takes intentionality to pursue God, to experience the fullness of God. That's why every Sunday we encourage you to jump into community by serving others with others. That's why we talk about recovery groups that are starting in the new year for men and women. That's why we encourage you to come every Sunday in the new year. We'll have a new series that I know will help you in your relationship with God and growing to understand more of who you were created to be. It's called Smarter, Faster, Stronger, Wiser. You can pick these up or get details about the recovery group or Alpha at the Connect spot. Or maybe you're here and you're enjoying life and freedom that God gives and you're learning how to bring that life and freedom to others. Taking this gift and passing it on from life to life to life. Let's pray together. God, in this moment, I would just ask that you would give us a sense of our next step. Whether it's to say yes to following you, giving our lives to you as a gift because of all that you've given to us. Or whether it's to truly seek after you to determine who you are, to have an open heart and open mind. Or perhaps it's to continue to grow in our faith, to pursue you at a new level and help others find life and light and freedom. God, show us what our next step might be. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.